Greetings to you. Grace and peace be multiplied to you and your family this morning. Before we get into our message, I do want to just acknowledge that the Holy Spirit was present in a powerful way this past week during our prayer week. Anybody that was here with us, if you could just testify to the fact that God moved and spoke, broke, broke barriers, broke, broke things in people's lives, we have witnessed to it all over this place. Later this week, um, we are going to get permission from some people to share some of the things that God spoke to them about themselves and about our church. We are postals on a blog that would be found on our website. Be looking forward. It was a busy week because after we finished on Wednesday night, Thursday night, 125 young men from Carver High School football team and their families assembled in this very sanctuary and our men ministered to them for their winter, for their football banquet. And then unexpectedly, we had a long-term, a long member of our church that passed last Tuesday morning, Thomas Paul Sanders. He sat right back there at the end of that row to my right, your left, back in the back because he was in a wheelchair for the last couple of years. And Paul left us and folded his tent and went on up to be, up, be in glory last Tuesday. And uh, we had a, a wonderful celebration service for him this past Friday. Please remember Fran Fluker, his wife, and their daughters in your prayers. And before we get into the message again, I've said that once, I'll say it again because I'm transitioning now to talk about what's God, what God is doing in this Chattahoochee Valley, in this Columbus area. You see, we're getting ready to start our 21-day uh, season of fast tomorrow. And if you still have not really heard from the Lord how you need to go about that, we hope this resource that we have available on the website can help you. Um, you see the web address that's going to be on the screen behind me in just a second. There it is. You can go to that web address, that website, and um, there's a guide there that hopefully can guide you on how the Lord wants you to participate in this 21 days of fasting. It starts tomorrow, ends on February the 3rd. We will not have organized gatherings. We are trusting that everyone will follow the lead of the Holy Spirit to do it, what the Lord leads you to do. The, the beauty of it is our whole congregation will be venturing in this together. And we look forward to the great testimonies that will come forth. On, as we break the fast on February the 3rd, uh, we will then gather Tuesday, February the 5th at 6.30 for an awakening night of worship and prayer. And uh, I want you to go ahead and put that on your calendars. Make sure you annotate that. Put it on your calendars at home. Put it in your phone. We want you here. And spread the word. This is not just for Christ Community Church. This is a kingdom kind of thing because I could tell you this thing about fasting is, you know, I got a, a phone call from my good friend Paul Thomas a couple of weeks ago. Evangel Temple is in their fasting, their season of fasting right now. And they're going to break their fast on, on next Sunday. And they have invited us to come and join them for a night of worship and prayer. And we've had a great time in our prayer week, but it's now time to get outside of this building. And I would like to ask, no, I don't like to, I'm asking you, I'm asking you to join us. Well, let me, let me give a disclaimer. I will be out of town. My wife and I will be out of town. But, you know, I would like to be able to tell Paul Thomas that we have people that are coming to join them Monday, uh, Sunday, next Sunday evening. So take the communications card. Just put on there that I am going. Put your name, tell you, I, I'm going. I would like to be able to give him a report that, yes, we have some people from Christ's community that's going to come and join them for that um, night of worship and prayer because we're asking them to join us on the 5th. And then finally, take the city. They've been in a 21-day uh, season of fasting and praying, 
and they are asking us to join them on Martin Luther King's birthday, uh, Monday, January 21st, the day that we celebrate Martin Luther King Jr. And um, that night is going to be specifically for prayer for unity amongst the churches in the Chattahoochee Valley. So there's some opportunities there. And you know what? We are the body of Christ. And that doesn't mean just Christ Community Church. That means all those who are believers in Jesus Christ. And God is doing a magnificent, powerful work in this, in this city. And we just want to be a part of things when we have like-minded people that we can join. So the theme for this year, in case you didn't catch it last week, because it came right at the end of the message, it's becoming a people who. Becoming a people who. Now, if you look at the graphic there, the design, you notice the landscape of the city of Columbus in the background, and you see that Polaroid with a blurred vision of the cross. And the idea behind it all is this, is that as we, a 21-year-old church, who is entering into uncharted territory, as we begin to continue to pursue the Lord, I believe that our vision will become clearer, especially when we have our vision on him and on him alone. I believe that we who are in this church, our church is made up of, of mature Christians and young Christians. You know, somebody, some people affectionately call them as baby Christians, but we are all on a journey together. And God is desiring to grow us and mature us. Therefore, we are becoming a people who. That's our theme for the year. And we're going to begin this year for the next four weeks with a study of the book of Ephesians. I did tell you this last week, and I hope that you cracked your Bible between, uh, between last week and this week and started to read. And if you haven't, don't worry, you got time because we're going to be doing this the next four weeks. Read the book of Ephesians. You will find that it is Paul's theological masterpiece. Paul wrote this book 10 years after he planted a church in Ephesus as instruction to this church in order to learn how to cope with the wicked world. It's, it gives us truth about who God is and what he has done to offer. And it also offers some of the most practical instructions you are, you're going to find anywhere in the Bible. This book of six chapters. It's a rich book. And as a matter of fact, six chapters, we really can't do it justice in four weeks. So we're not going to do all six chapters. We're only going to do four chapters. But let me tell you how the book is, is, is set up, how, how it's outlined. It's, you can divide it into, into two clear parts. Chapters 1 through 3 deals with the many spiritual blessings that flow from our calling and position as, as believers in Christ. Chapters 4 through 6, they deal with our walk in Christ, our daily practice of, of being light, in light of who we are and what we have in him. And, and so... In the middle of the book, Ephesians 2, 19 through 4, 16, Paul teaches on the church, which is the center of God's reconciling work through Christ in our world. You can sum up the book like this. It deals with both our calling and our conduct. The book of Ephesians deals with both our calling as his people and our conduct. It deals with our wealth in Christ and our walk in Christ. Now, the order that the book is, is, is put in and the order that we're going to take it as a series is very important. Let me tell you why. Because, because we need to know who we are in Christ and what rights and privileges we have 
because of our position in Christ, before we really realize how to faithfully live out our life as Christ has called us to do. Let me repeat that again. It's very important that we go in sequence because we, we must know who we are in Christ and the rights and privileges that we have in Christ. See, if we don't know that, we will not be able to really faithfully live out the life that he's called us to live out. Does that make sense to you? Now, I'm going to read the first chapter of Ephesians to you. and I'll, Not the whole first chapter. I'm going to read verses 3 through 14. If you have a Bible's Open them up. Read along with me. I'm reading from NIV, by the way. But that's all right. Somebody asked me after the first service, what version are you reading, NIV? I said, you know, they're all saying the same thing. It's got a couple of different words, so don't, don't sweat that. They really are. So I'm going to read it to you. Just listen to these words. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to pray to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ. To be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring in unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, which is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance unto the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Say, Derek, you read that mighty fast. Let me let, 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 let you in on something. This was one long sentence, the way Paul wrote it. It was all one sentence. It's like Paul had this so, so, so in him and needed to get it out. He just opened his mouth and out it came. And I would say to us, get this now. This is going to frame everything else I say today. If we can hear, receive, and believe the words that I just read and you read, I just read. If we can hear, receive, and believe these words, we will have hope that will allow us to be who we are called to be. The key, though, is we have to hear it. Receive it and do what? We have to hear it, receive it, and believe it. And I believe that we have problems with that sometimes because this world in which we live and our sinful nature and the disappointments and the stuff people do to us keeps us from really believing all that Paul has put in this first chapter. So we're going to start with just verse number three. I want to start with verse 3 because if this, is, this, is, this is key to everything. I may not get past verse 3. I may be stuck here when we get about 15 after we just have to shut down and go on home. We had that little shouting match in earlier, but that's all right. 
So let's look at the, the first. This is live for a change. Because if we really understand, and if we receive, we hear, we receive, and we believe what is in the Word of God for the people of God, I believe then, then we can live for a change. Anybody here ready to live for a change? Uh, okay, that's a couple of people. How about if anybody here want to live for a change? So you can say it all kind of different ways. How many people here just want to live for a change? Yeah, you, you see what I'm saying? See, that goes along with who we are and what our convictions are because, you know, we found out last week, not found out, we just reiterated that we are a people that exist to do what? Awaken ordinary people to extraordinary life in Christ-centered community. You didn't think I was going to forget that, did you? Come on now. So now we want to concentrate on just, we're going to boil it down a little bit more. We just want to live for a change. You know the truth? There are people in our families, in our communities, at our job, in, in, in the city. And you know what the, the, the passion of their heart is? They want to one day wake up and finally live for a change. They've been stuck far too long. And some of us in here are in that category right now. And so we're going to start with verse number three. Verse 3 simply reads this. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Do you hear that? Do you believe that? Do you receive it? That's a profound statement that Paul made. Paul, in essence, is saying that everything that God is going to do is located in the heavenly realm. He wanted this church in Ephesus that he was writing to to know about their spiritual resources. He wanted them to know that they had some things stored up in heaven in a, in a, in a heavenly bank account. And they needed to know about it. You know, back in 1998, Dallas, Texas, in a the paper there, there was a story that ran that said a man died of starvation and he had $10 million. Now, that doesn't make any sense, does it? How do you die of starvation and you have $10 million? That's not supposed to happen. He had resources, but for whatever reason, because of some brokenness, I don't know all the details of it, but you know that happens. Here it is right here for you, but because of the brokenness, the sin, the oppression, the disappointments, the, the, the things that happen to us and that we do and done to us, we don't even take advantage of what's there. This man had $10 million but died of starvation. And I would say to you that if you have problems, you need to check your bank account. Oh, I know what you're saying. I checked it. There ain't nothing in there. You're checking the wrong bank account, my, my friend. I'm talking about this bank account that resides up here in the spiritual realm. There's some things up there that we need to, uh, to, to, to operate in. Oh, yeah, I know this getting uncomfortable with some folks. Say, oh, we're talking about this stuff. I hear you. I hear you. You're saying, I don't need any spiritual blessings. I need some physical blessings. Well, let me tell you something, my friend. I'm not talking spiritual as opposed to physical. What I want to say to us is that spiritual is the source of everything physical. Everything visible and physical derives from something invisible and spiritual. Everything visible and physical derives from something invisible 
and spiritual. If you want some, if you want to fix a situation here in this that's visible to you and it's physical, you need to address the problem that exists in the invisible and the spiritual. I said before that the source of all you need from the time you, 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 you experience new birth to the time you die and move on to glory has been put on deposit. Notice the tense in the scripture. What is that? Who has, what does that say? Who has, oh, it's out on the screen. I need, verse three. Who has done what? Who has what? That's the what kind of tense? That's the what tense? That's the past tense. That's already done. It, it means it's already taken place. The deposit has already been made. The better we know the spiritual, the more victorious we will be in the physical. Second Peter 1.3, it's not on the screen. I want to jot it down, turn to your Bibles if you're quick enough. It reads, his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who, is called, who has called us, who called us by his own glory and goodness. Let me read it again. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. And I know that's a struggle to really embrace that. Let me see if I can give you a little a true story to kind of help connect the dots. Several years ago, um, I finally convinced my wife to buy a new vehicle because um, she was going to run that, ride that vehicle that she had until the wheels fell off, I believe. But she did, and we got a new vehicle. It wasn't a brand new vehicle. It was new to us. Y'all, some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Well, this vehicle had some things that we didn't have in any of our previous vehicles. You know, I have a smartphone, any of y'all got a smartphone? Any of y'all have a smartphone? And I've gotten to the point in life that I love to listen to podcasts. I love to talk with my family as I'm in the car. But, you know, a couple of years ago, they came out with that law that you can't be texting and driving. And you can't be on the phone dialing and driving, right? Y'all remember that? And, 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 you know, for a while there, I confess, I was down there in the corner trying to get my text on. And my point where I'm going with this story, see, in that car that we bought, that car had something called Bluetooth capability. And we drove around for a while and didn't even know it. No, I'm serious. I, hey, I'm not the only one in here. Don't y'all look at me and talk to me about it like that. Some of y'all got it, ain't turned it on yet. No, we drove around. It, 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 you know, when you turned on the radio, it's, it, had a little, it had a little button on there that says Bluetooth. It, it was there the whole time. But at first, we didn't even know it. But then after we knew it, we didn't access it because we didn't know how to make it work. But thank God, our children showed us how. So now I go around now, I'll be driving in the car, I'll be listening to my podcast, I'll be talking to my daughter when she's up there at UGA, and I'm not breaking any laws. And you know what? It's because I used what was accessible to me. God has deposited things up in our spiritual, up in our heavenly bank. And all we have to do, first of all, we need to know it's there. And then we need to access it. Now, some of y'all are still stuck. I check my bank account. 
It ain't nothing in there. I told you one time, you're looking in the wrong place. I'm not talking about that bank. I'm talking about the bank up here. Okay. Paul continues, and he explains all of the blessings that God, our Father, has deposited in the heavenly realm. Are you interested to know about the blessings that's already there that we need to access, that we can access? I'm not going to read through those verses again. I'm just going to simply take us on a journey through them. You're going to see some bold print come up on the verses that come on the screen. In 11 verses, in 11 verses, we find out that he chose us. He predestined and adopted us in, in, in verse 5. In verse 6, he freely gives grace. In verse 7, he redeems and forgives. In verse 8, he lavishes grace on us. In verse 9, he makes known his will and his purposes. In verse 10, he unites all under Christ. In verse 11, he works out everything. In verse 13, the Holy Spirit seals us. And in verse 14, the Holy Spirit guarantees our inheritance. I believe that's some good stuff up in heaven waiting on all of us. But you know, when we read stuff like this, I know, I know. See, I've been around y'all long enough, I know. It brings up all kind of questions. See, these scriptures I just read, it's a source of endless theological debate. Because see, words like predestined is in there. And we got things that say something about he chose us before the creation of the world. And we get into this, we, we get into this, Oh, man, we, some of us just, our heads start hurting. Which, which way is it? Is it? Is it not? Does that mean that, that, that he chose me before I, before I, you know, before I, what, does that mean I need to do anything? You know, we get into all these, but let me, let me help you out. There are some things about God that we'll never, never fully understand. Can you say amen to that right there? Here's a verse that may help us stop struggling with all these questions. Deuteronomy 29, 29. The secret things belong to the Lord our God. But the things revealed, revealed, but the things revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may follow all the words of this law. Now, this was written to the people of Israel when they were coming out of captivity. Moses, under, under, under the um, guidance of the Holy Spirit, wrote these words. And what I want to share with you is there's, there is a distinction between a revealed thing and a secret thing. And our responsibility, get this now, lean on in here and get this right here. Our responsibility is to believe and obey what has been revealed. And it's revealed in the Word. It was revealed through the Holy Spirit. It is revealed in the fellowship with the saints. Our job is not to try to figure out all that is hidden. Because we're talking about God. And we just, that's a, that's a, that's just a, that's just a futile attempt. That's a waste of energy. That's, that's just damaging precious brain, brain power trying to figure all that out. It's like, it's like trying to explain an amortization table for a 30-year mortgage to a four-year-old child. Now, we may not be able to ever explain it to them. They may not ever be able to get it, but you guess what? That doesn't make it, that still make, it's still true how an amortization table works. You follow what I'm saying? It's like trying to explain quantum, quantum physics to me. I can't even say it good. But just because you are not able to explain it to me in a way I understand, and just because I can't understand it when you explain it to me, doesn't mean that the laws of quantum physics doesn't exist and are true. Some people get stuck on the fact that Paul says in verse 4 that we are chosen before the creation of the world. 
They get stuck because they say, well, does that mean God knew me beforehand? And that, that he just said, well, I see that Derek would choose me, so I'm going to choose him back. Well, first of all, that's not what the verse says. It says that he set his love on us and chose us before we even a twinkle in our daddy's eye. That's what the verse says. From verse 3 to 14, those 11 verses I read, I want to tell you something. God is the one taking all the action. When I went through those lists of things that's up in heaven for us, that's God doing those things. The only thing we have to do is what? Receive, believe. Hear, receive, and believe. That's our job. He does all the rest. You know, some people say, well, I, you know, I, I just struggle with this, Pastor Derek. I, I said, you know, why did he choose me? What is it about me? It, what, did I have some kind of potential that he saw? No. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to be funny about that, but it's not it. But, it, but no. Again, go back to Deuteronomy uh, chapter 7 this time. We're still talking about Moses talking to these people of Israel. Look what he said to them. The Lord did not set his affection on you and choose you because you were more numerous than other peoples, for you were the fewest of all peoples. But it was because the Lord loved you. Oh, man, we can stop right there. That's a shout moment right there. It's because the Lord loved you. It wasn't nothing you did. It wasn't because you had some kind of potential that he saw. He said, hey, that, that, that joker right there looked like he's going to preach one day. I'm going to go and choose. That didn't have nothing to do with it. He, did, he chose me before I even had breath to even speak. He chose you. He chose you. You know, some, some of us even bold enough to say, well, you know why he chose me? Because, see, I'm not as sinful as the other, other folks. Oh, you, you say no, but somebody in here say, hmm, they ain't saying nothing. You know, okay, I, I got it. You, you know how that shows up? You know how that shows up? I can show it to you. You know how that shows up? When we think we always got to perform. We always got to be the one that's doing. And, and, and our lives look like that. We're just running and running and running. You know what that's rooted in? It's because we think we got to perform in order for, us, for him to accept us. Oh, now, now does it hit? Now we in your driveway? Oh, yeah, I know it is. Yeah, some of us think that way. You think that, see, when God see that I got a good and teachable heart, he's going to choose me. But you know what? That's not true either. That's not true. Back to Deuteronomy again. Look at, look at chapter 9, verse 6. Understand then that it's not because of your righteousness that the Lord your God has given you this good land to possess, for you are a stiff-necked people. You say, well, God chose me because I just got a little bit of sin in my life. Jonathan Edwards says it like this. The slightest sin has an infinite amount of hatefulness in it, enough to outweigh whatever loveliness the creature possessed. So, so you say, well, Dad, what is it then about me that caused him to choose me? I'm going to point you right back to where we've been already. Deuteronomy 7, 8. But it was because the Lord loved you. And I know nobody else did. The people that should have don't. 
the person I was with all those years left me. The child I raised won't even speak to me now. That's not God. God loves you. Do you hear that? Can you hear that? Can, can you hear that God loves you? See, see, you know what? And, and look, some of y'all are saying, well, he just keep on messing with me. Because for some of us, it is really a chore to say yes to that. But that doesn't make it not true. God loves you. Can you hear that? Can you receive that? Do you believe that? You know, I, I think it's some still... Let me, let me see if I can do it like this. There's some TV shows that I just kind of like, my family and I like. We, we sit around TV and watch it. We don't get a chance to do it as much. But it's a, sh- it's a show called The Voice. Anybody ever seen this show? First service, they, they all into the TV. Everybody saw it. Let me try it like this. Anybody has not seen the show? Let me give you an idea of what the show is about. What you're looking at is a snapshot from the show. What it is is, 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 is entertain, it's, it's for singers that want to get known, that want to make their mark. And what happens is this. You see those four, those, those are four famous singers, celebrities. And, and the show goes like this. They, they'll come out, let's say, let's, say, let's say you, young lady, you were auditioning, all right? And those four people, they will be facing you, and they will get your name, and they'll try to make you calm down a little bit. And they'll say, well, what you going to sing today? And you tell them what you're going to sing. And then they would turn their chairs around so they're not looking at you. And then you would start to sing. And they would listen to you. And when they heard excellence in your voice or potential in your voice, they would hit a button and the chair would swing around. One of two things happened. We would get laughing and just get all excited when somebody gets all four chairs to turn around. Or we'd be sitting there and just get all kind of upset, especially when we think somebody's good and no chairs turn around. Let me get, I got news for you. You showed up. God was already turned around. Before you ever cracked a note, before you cleared your throat, you didn't have to audition, you didn't have to perform, you didn't have to get the note right, you just showed up. His chair was already facing you when you arrived on the stage. And when you looked at that, he said, I choose you. I choose you right off the bat. That's the kind of God we serve. Well, 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 doesn't that violate my free will? I mean, this is, kind of th- this is the kind of things that starts coming up when we start looking. Am I, am I telling the truth? Yes. Come on, I, I didn't just make this up now. I think this is true. I mean, we've been engaged in these conversations. Well, you know, that violates your free will, doesn't it? Does it? No. I don't believe it does. Because the Bible says his choice is never against our will, but always in concert with his will. Because you find in the Bible, in some places it says, I chose you before the creation of the world, like we read. In others, Jesus said, whosoever will may come. In, in, in John 6, Jesus said it like this. No one can come to the Father, come to me, unless the Father who sent me draws him. Let me read that again. I got to get that right. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. See, even our choice to come 
and the father's drawing goes hand in hand. The Greek word for draw there, draws, is a Greek word spelled H-E-L-K-U-O. I don't know how to pronounce it, not going to try. But I know what it means. It carries the idea of a desperately hungry man being drawn to food. You see, God created a hunger in us. Because the truth be told, in our own strength, we can't even muster that up. That's God at work in us. To even get that hunger that's in us. And it's a hunger for him, and that hunger draws us to Jesus. You see, most of the time our problem is not that we wanted to choose God, but we couldn't, even though we try to convince ourselves, I can't find him. I can't find him. I've been looking for him everywhere. I can't find him. That's not our problem. Our problem is deep down inside where we really don't want to tell anybody. We don't want to choose God. We prefer to rule ourselves and be the center of our own universe. See, that's, what, that's really the problem most of the time. It's just like the sun being the center and all of these planets revolving around it, bringing life. See, it works best when the sun is at the center and not we ourselves. Okay, I, I know another question people come up with. Well, well, you know, well, why didn't God just choose everybody? And some people would get caught up in that. Well, he just chooses everybody, you know. It doesn't matter, does it? Does it? Is every way a way to God? Is anything you do is going to wind up all right? You know, there's some theological debate about that. Well, let me tell you what I think and what I believe the Bible says clearly. God is not obligated to extend salvation to anyone. You know what? You know what we deserve? You know what we deserve. We deserve to perish. Well, wait a minute, wait a minute now, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I got a little bit of good in me. I covered that before now. God is not obligated to extend salvation to anyone. This is a part of the discussion where there's some mystery to it because Scripture tells us, because Scripture never presents a lack of God choosing as a reason why someone did not come. It wasn't because God didn't choose because someone did not come. Let me, let me, let me show you this in Scripture. Matthew 23, 37. You have to write these down. Jesus said these words, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. Second Peter 3, 9, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to a repentance. And some people get mad about that. You mean to tell me that joker over there, he wants? Yes, he does. Revelation twenty-two seventeen. let the one who is thirsty come and let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. 
What is it that caused him to choose you? He loves you. He loves you. Okay. There's a couple of things I want to point out real quickly as we get ready to close. Look at verse 14. Verse 14 has a fascinating statement there. Let me make sure I get it so I can make sure I'm doing this right. Verse 14. Well, you, you have started 13. The latter of 13. When you believe, when you believe, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession. Sometimes we get caught up in this. Am I going to make it to the end? You know how I struggle. I was doing good. Then all of a sudden I fell off and then we get to doubting our salvation. But the Bible tells us that he will finish what he starts. The Holy Spirit right here promised, sealed the deal. Sealed it. The promised Holy Spirit who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. Let, let, let me give an example. Anybody in here bought a house before? Raise your hand if you ever bought a house. Did y'all, anybody in here bought a house before? Okay. All right. Anybody in here bought a house or rented a house before? Raise your hand. That'll be everybody up in there now. Okay, it works like this. If you're buying a house, you put down what? Earnest money. And, and, and I'm not in the business. I used to be in that business. But when I was in the business, one of the rules they told us, if you're going to be a real good salesman, the, high, the higher value of the house is, the more earnest money that you get. For example, if somebody said they're going to buy a $500,000 house, what's, what's it to them? If they're going to close in, in 45 days on a $500,000 house, what is it to put up $5,000 to say that I'm going to do what I say I'm going to do? It's nothing. Beloved, Jesus put a deposit on you. You know what the kind of deposit he put on? His son, Jesus Christ, and him in the form of the Holy Spirit. He put, he put it all. $200,000 house, he put $200,000 plus down. He's all in. He's all in. He's going he's to fulfill, he's going to complete what he started in you. Don't let these doubts, don't let your failures, don't let your struggles make you believe that God is not for you and not with you because he has promised to never forgive, never, never fail us, never leave us. That's a promise. We see it here in the scripture where the Holy Spirit was a seal who was a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession. You are chosen according to the purpose of God, by the power of God, for the glory of God. If you would hear, believe, and receive, I believe there's some things that we, can, we, can, we, we have available to us. The first one is we can have assurance when we struggle. Assurance. When God didn't choose us because of our goodness. Therefore, he's not dependent on our goodness to keep us following him. If you ever wanted to be sure that, 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 that you are still in, in, on the path, on the right path after you've said yes to him, check this out right here. 
When you fail, don't you feel like, oh man, I want to get back. I want to get back on the right track. When things are way off, don't you feel something and you say, well, you're in the wrong direction. You know what? That's, that's God working in you. He's not finished with you. That's why we can be assured even as we struggle. We can have strength when we fail. You know why we can have strength when we fail? Because the burden of fixing my life does not depend entirely on me. Because God has already decreed and supplied the power to fix my life. All I need to do is learn how to access what he's already made available to me. We can have hope in our trials. Even when we feel victimized, hurt, or just what we call unlucky, God is still at work in our lives. We can have confidence when we're sharing the gospel with others because we find that there's a lot more at stake here than just our salvation. See, we, 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 we learn to get, get over ourselves. It's just, not, it's just not about me. See, after a while, God saves you so that you can, get, you can save someone else, so that you can go out and spread the gospel to somebody else. And see, when we, get ready, when we are able to access all that he has for us, it breaks off some of those things, some of those questions we have, some of those doubts we have, because sometimes this is the truth of the matter. We're looking at somebody and said, oh, God can't save him. Where you get that from? If he saved you, he can save him. And so it gives us confidence to boldly proclaim the gospel to those that we encounter. Those four things we can take with us. Assurance when we struggle. Strength when we fail, hope in our trials, and confidence to share the gospel. Would you stand with me? Now, there was a couple of points in that message that was kind of exciting, uplifting, but you know what? Sometimes that's a hard message to hear receive, and believe. But I want to encourage you. Just say yes. Just say yes to him. Just say, I, Lord, I believe you. I trust you. To those who are believers here, if we really access all that God has deposited for our behalf, if we really understand what, what Paul was writing in this first chapter, if we really understand it, we can have confidence to get back up when we fall. We can have assurance that we're going to be fruitful in our lives. We can say, yes, use me for your purposes. If you are not a believer, and there may be some in here, you can be chosen. He's, see, it's a both ends. He desires to have a relationship with you. All you have to do is say, yes. In fact, let's all say it together, make it easier for somebody. He desires to have a relationship with you. All you have to do is say, yes. Has anybody ever said, yes. Was there ever a day that you said, yes. I hope this is encouraging because there may be somebody amongst us that you never said yes. And right now, right now, you can feel that he's drawing you. 
He's put that hunger down in you that I talked about earlier. He's put that desperation in you because you've been looking in all the places and nothing coming together, nothing working, everything broke, everything needed to be fixed. And it seems like, you know, everywhere I turn, these people don't, but it's in you, you, you feel it. He's, he's, he's prompting you, he's prodding you, he's, he's inviting you, and all he's waiting for you to do is say, yes. I can't hear you. He's inviting you to say, yes. today will be a good day to do that. So they're going to give us a closing song. You know, and I want to ask you, if you do not have an emergency, do not leave this building right now. We're going to do a song. As a matter of fact, I want you all to do a shortened version of the song because I don't think many people are going to come up and pray. If they do, we'll, we'll go because I want to get you out on t- as close to time as possible. So just, just, just give us a little song, and then I want to close with a prayer for all of us that will encourage us on the way out. Come to the altars if you need come and ask someone to pray for you if you need. Resist the temptation to walk out the door. Well, what I need to do, Derek, pray for somebody. Pray for somebody right now. There's somebody in here that's on the verge of walking out this door and not letting God have their life. Pray that that does not happen. That's what you can do. Give us a few more minutes of your time. Just a few more minutes of your time.